You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, January 30th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Students at Mount Edgecombe High School in Sitka are learning how to fly a plane before they even set foot in a cockpit. Their aviation ground course is the first step towards becoming a licensed private pilot and a springboard to the skies. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. Do you hear that? That's the low hum of a single-engine airplane reverberating throughout a classroom at Mount Edgecombe High School. It's not an unusual noise here. The school looks out on Sitka Sound and float planes zip by almost every day. But the humming is quieter today because it's not coming from a real plane. This is a simulation. What's your altitude right now? Uh, 1300. And your airspeed looks real nice. It, they just don't go as fast at 152. Yeah. But it's doing good. This is what he'll probably actually train on. <laughs> Jack Davis teaches the Aviation Ground School course at Mount Edgecombe. And Fridays are Flight Simulator Day. In the back of Davis's classroom, three students sit at computers playing what looks like a video game with a few extra bells and whistles. But it's not a game. They're logging flight hours. How's it going, Ryder? You're on track? Pretty good, yeah. Okay. I'm going to let you go for a bit. You guys keep doing it. I wish I had some uh, in-flight peanuts for you. Davis got what he calls the flying bug when he was teaching in western Alaska. And once he got his private pilot's license, he bought a small plane in Texas and he flew it home. He's been teaching in Alaska for 30 years, 15 of them at Mount Edgecombe. And for the last five, he's taught the aviation ground course. Throughout the week in his class, students crack the books, building the skills to pass a written test in April. That's their first step toward earning a private pilot's license. Understanding how to communicate with people in the air and who's there to help you on the radio and making sure you're going where you think you're going, navigating to the right place, understanding your engine, and uh, making sure it's not going to overheat or run out of fuel, different things. But on Fridays, they take to the skies, virtually anyway. The simulator is more complicated than your typical video game setup. Students watch their flight progress from a monitor, but instead of using one handheld controller, they have to multitask, managing steering, throttles, and pedals to keep their planes gliding above the peaks and valleys of Alaska's rugged topography. Davis says the software can simulate flying from nearly every airport in the world. And the class uses paper charts, too. I've landed on some grass strips in Indiana on this, these simulators. So there's, there's some fun spots, but... Um, yeah, we, we have the sectional charts for Alaska, so they can look <clears throat> at um, all, the de- all the detail of where they're flying. And so we like to fly out where we're used to and kind of situations in the terrain that they'll see when they're in real life. Aiden Panzer is a senior from Unalakleet, and today he flew a Cessna caravan from Kenai to Homer, then to Soldatna and all the way back. And it was a bumpy ride because the simulator incorporates real-time weather conditions. But he tweaked the settings so it would be a little brighter since this time of year, sunlight's scarce up north. And it kind of keeps you on your toes, which is what you should be doing when you're actually in the plane. So that's what I like about this flight simulator specifically. So it, it always keeps you on the edge of your seat in case, you know, your turbulence knocks you off course. For some students, the aviation course is just the fun experience. 
they dip a toe in and maybe decide they prefer their feet planted firmly on the ground. For others, they get the same bug that Davis got. That's how Panzer feels. He plans to study aerospace engineering next fall in Oregon. After that, he hopes to join the Air Force. I've always been interested in, like, space, I guess. I'm a huge space nerd. Um, I have a telescope. I look at stars. And I guess that just brings me closer to it, is being in a plane. Ultimately, Panzer's not sure if he wants to fly a jet or a rocket. Either way, he says flying to him means freedom. Sometimes I'll, like, when I'm walking and I see a seagull or an eagle or something like that, I just, like, picture, it would be so awesome to be that bird. Go wherever you want. If students pass their written tests in April, they can move on to the next leg of their flight, getting in the air. And maybe someday they'll land their own real float planes in Sitka Sound. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. The U.S. Transportation Department announced last week that it's approved grants totaling $285 million to upgrade and modernize Alaska's ferry system. The money comes mostly from programs Senator Lisa Murkowski added to last year's bipartisan infrastructure bill. But the award to Alaska is larger than even she expected. I'm so happy. I'm just so happy. And as I mentioned, let's not let's not mess this up. Right. The concern about messing it up is because the federal money will require the state to put up matching funds totaling more than $100 million and then support the new ferries and facilities with operating and maintenance funds. The state transportation department applied for the grants and asserted that it is committed to providing the match. But Governor Mike Dunleavy did not show the ferry system much love in his first term. He cut the Alaska Marine Highway System's budget, sold the state's two fast ferries for a fraction of their cost, and vetoed $17 million to retrofit the Alaska-class ferries. Murkowski says she's spoken to the governor and to the state Senate Finance co-chair, Bert Stedman, about the need to spend state dollars to get the federal grants. It's going to take some money, but it's worth the investment. Alaska was awarded about 75 percent of the federal money available for ferries this year. It is the first of five funding years in the infrastructure law. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says that reflects the need in coastal areas of Alaska that aren't connected by roads. For so many communities, including the 35 communities along the Alaska Marine Highway, where everything is spaced further apart, where transportation is very expensive, waterways are critical. Late Thursday afternoon, the governor's deputy press secretary said by email that Dunleavy's office will evaluate all options for the state match. Money already appropriated could be used for some of the match, she said. Two public hearings were held earlier this month to gather input on a proposed state ferry terminal in the village of Saxman, about three miles south of downtown Ketchikan. The terminal would exclusively serve the state ferry Latuya as it makes its way back and forth between Metlakatla and Revillagigedo Island. Officials say the new terminal would shave time off the trip. Representatives from the region's economic development group, Southeast Conference, as well as the state's Department of Transportation, visited both communities to hear residents' ideas on the proposed plans. KRBD's Reagan Miller caught up with some of the attendees who shared their thoughts and concerns. Once the dust has settled, the Saxman Seaport will boast a Three Bears grocery store, an Ace Hardware, a boat launch, more than 70 parking spaces, loading lanes, and a ferry terminal. Right now, Ketchikan's ferry terminal is about six land miles from Saxman Seaport. The trip between Ketchikan and Metlakatla takes about 45 minutes. Based on reports made during the public hearings, that time could be shaved to less than 20 minutes with the new seaport terminal. 
Trudy Swink knows what it's like to spend a lot of time at a ferry terminal. Her daughter, Crystal, played basketball for Ketchikan High School before graduating more than 10 years ago. It was me going to these terminals to drop off my kids. So our being stuck in them in other communities, too, as a parent with traveling with my child. So That's why she's worried that the proposed ferry ticketing building won't be big enough to accommodate waiting passengers. Engineers from the contracted firm P&D Engineering suggested a terminal that measured 24 by 36 feet. You know, I don't want something that's only going to hold 10 people. It's not going to do our visitors any good out here. Attendees also raised concern about not having enough space for school buses to pull through. Plans are for 126 vehicle parking spots, more than 20 additional spots for vehicles with boat trailers, and 500 feet of loading zone. Gabriella Blair says she's happy the idea is going somewhere after it was voted down a few years back because the city was being asked to sell its land for the development. But this time we're actually able to lease it and not sell our land. So our land's still going to be city of Saxman's, which that part is exciting. Blair says it seems like a small space for everything that's planned. I was just trying to look at like where buses would park, school buses, borough buses. It just seems hard to fit it all in that area. And their terminal booths seem really small. Like It didn't seem like it could let people sit in there. But I like the idea of the of that being a stop to go to Met. Just trying to fit everything in there is a little hard. Jeremy Bynum, a Ketchikan Borough Assembly member, also attended the meeting. Speaking outside of that role, Bynum said the space is tight, but he doesn't think that's a deal breaker for any of the designs. I don't see that all of those activities are going to be happening all at once. So, for example, the ferry... Uh, being there and then boat launching and all of that, like sometimes it will be at once, but mostly I think that you'll see that spread out and uh, different times of the day. Um, So I don't, it looks tight on paper, but I think functionally it'll probably be fine. Chuck Denny is the vice chair of Cape Fox Corporation and the vice president of the organized village of Saxman. He thinks developing the seaport will give the city a much needed boost. It'll be income for the city because right now the city isn't doing too well. And then with three bears, that'll be a a big plus for our community. Denny is also a boat owner, so he says he likes that all three designs incorporate a new boat launch. Metlakatla Mayor Albert Smith says that more than 50 people turned out for the public meeting. Uh, I think there was was some concern about uh, transportation between Saxman and uh, Ketchikan. Uh, And... um, I, I think that's stuff that we could work out. Uh, there's there's a lot of discussion about possibilities on, on how we could uh, get a shuttle running to all the main uh, places in, in town. Smith says even more people filled out comment cards at the meeting. Metlakatla residents were also able to talk one-on-one with representatives from the Ferry Service, Southeast Conference, and the Department of Transportation. So it was just really good setup public comment period will be open until February 17th. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.